0: Hey this is Tess just with a little prologue to let you know that we actually recorded this podcast a few weeks back but it has taken me this long to learn how to use GarageBand and edit my first podcast so please forgive any uh, initial um, errors, technical difficulties there are dogs barking in this, those are Billy's dogs Um, but I think we've done a pretty good job considering it's our first time and next time we will stop bagging the table with such passion that gets picked up on mics but you know we're passionate about rom-com guys
1: So, (laughs) you haven't said hello, the two of us. We are...
0: I'm Tess Morris.
1: I'm Billy Murnit.
0: And we've decided to start a podcast, haven't we, Billy? Yes, yes. Um, Because we decided that, well, number one, there's not really any podcasts uh, about romantic comedy, as as far as I know. Mm. And now everybody's going to write in and say that there actually is, but...
1: Well, whether the, we don't know of any, and the point is, more people are probably saying, Why do we need one? Yes. Which I think is part of the reason for us even embarking on this venture. Why? To, it, why? 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 Why romantic comedy? Why?
0: Well, it's a big question that we are going to
1: attempt to answer. Indeed. It's um, going to take us many weeks. Many weeks. Mm-hmm. It's going to take
0: us possibly seven weeks exactly, yes. or seven pods.
1: Seven pods. Yeah.
0: And then we might do more if if we feel like it, Bill. Mm -hmm. But um, we should probably let them know about us Mm -hmm. and why you had me at hello and why I had you at hello.
1: Right. Why are you listening to this podcast? Well, it's because we have the illustrious Tess Marvis. Who has done the amazing feat of writing a screenplay that was actually produced. Wow. And made.
0: It was amazing but true.
1: A romantic comedy. Yes, and it was pitched as such. Yeah. And it was a success in its native land. Got a small window of a release here in yeah, America. Yeah,
0: it did a, a small, a tiny little, like yes. one of those little patio doors you just open. <laughs> but it
1: has a Netflix life. It does. Right? It
0: has a very yes. long, illustrious, uh, flourishing online stream, online streaming, whatever. The yeah. term is.
1: the name of the movie is Man Up. And it stars...
0: It stars Simon Pegg and Lake Bell. And um, I wrote it... The reason that me and Billy, Billy know each other is because I wrote... Um, I was struggling with my writing and um, I had been standing under the clock at Waterloo Station and a guy had mistaken me for his blind date. And I basically thought, oh, that's a great idea for a romantic comedy. But I had no idea how to write one. And um, my best friend David, Allison uh, gave me Billy's book. Um, this is in 2011.
1: Mm-hmm. So The book in question is yes, entitled please, yes,
0: tell us your book. Writing
1: the Romantic Comedy. By Billy Manning. And it's been in print since the year 2000.
0: I thought you were going to say since 1881. Since
1: 1881. <laughs> in fact, there was this young girl named Jane Austen. <laughs> no. Uh, it's it's still in print, which is uh, ironically one reason why the book has not been updated. Because Harper Collins, the publisher of Record, seems to think, why mess with something that's still selling?
0: Also, this is another reason why we also... I just remembered the other reason why we wanted to do this podcast was kind of also to inadvertently update the book. Yes. Because in the book, what's the latest film reference in the book is probably Uh, as good as it gets. Well,
1: no, no. There's something uh, around 2000. uh, We've got uh, either High Fidelity or something. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the point is uh, the book basically ends at the turn of the century. And obviously the last 15, 16 years, a lot has happened in the genre. Yes, it has. things have shifted. Interestingly.
0: Yes, and so this is like our lazy way of you not writing another book,
1: basically. Yeah, I just get to talk, <laughs> talk, talk, talk with the Yeah, parents. and
0: that is the other thing as well. So me and Billy spend a lot of time talking about romantic comedies, so uh, because I stalked him um, on the internet after I wrote Man Up and emailed him to tell him that I said to you, didn't I? was like, so I wrote this film and I used your book to write it and I'm coming to LA. Would you like to meet for a cup of tea? You very kindly agreed to meet me for a cup of tea and I would say think it's safe so to say we've been friends ever since. Indeed. Um, and we talk a lot about romantic comedies, and nobody gets to hear us wanging on about it. And
1: um, Except for you privileged folk. Now right that's here, all yeah. about
0: to change. Yes. Um, also present is Thomas, Billy's dog, who's just um, going over to sniff a towel.
1: Mm-hmm. Just in case
0: anyone hears any animals. There are four animals and
1: me and Billy on this podcast. So everything's in <laughs> pairs, yeah.
0: So the other thing that has, um, so that's the context for me and Billy. Um, Also, it should be known that Billy is a story consultant at Universal.
1: Um, Yes, I'm a story analyst. I work in the story department where not only do I do coverage on scripts that come in, but I do notes on the projects that we're actually making. So I've worked because they tend to give me a lot of the comedy and romantic comedy stuff. I've worked on Bridesmaids, uh, the Amy Schumer movie Trainwreck. Uh, and both they, rom-coms yeah and uh, Pitch Perfect well Bridesmaids uh, we'll come back to oh, that okay. in terms of how rom-com oh, it actually right. is oh, oh yeah. controversial yeah yeah yeah
0: Billy but I always use that as my well, as my like lady rom-com I you
1: know, and people do and
0: yet uh, okay. I
1: have things to say
0: about that's that that's a whole other point
1: yeah that's a whole other thing but anyway uh, so that's what I do over there and Tess is a working writer. You've working done, writer. You've done some rewrites on features. That yeah, are in,
0: in, I am working. Yeah. I am, I am. yeah, I mean, I think people can Google us. Just Google us and you'll see everything you need to know about us and some strange pictures of me always with my hands in my pockets, I've discovered. Why is that? I, I don't know. It was a thing that when we were promoting Man Up, I, whenever I was on any kind of, like, carpet or any <coughs> screening. <coughs> oh, there's Tabitha, <coughs> um, I was always, I always had my hands in my pocket and I don't really know why. You're great when you get drunk, honey. Why don't you get drunk with me no more?
1: You don't, don't have to Google what happened at this year's Oscar Telegraph go- because everyone was watching when a romantic comedy was mistakenly yeah. declared the winner of Best <laughs> Picture. Now you may say to yourself, What? What? No. That was La La Land, that wonderful, artful drama, that, that, that thing that we love so well or revile so deeply. Here's what we are here to tell you. Yeah. It is, in fact, a romantic comedy slash musical. I
0: mean, this is, first of all, let's just talk about the fact that, um, that I've never ever had, like, like witnessed so much aggression against a movie mm. as I have with La La Land. Mm. And, it, and this is what struck me that when it first, the backlash first, first started um, mm-hmm. with the very funny Saturday Night Live sketch as well, where they arrest um, Aziz right. Ansari for, for not liking it. Mm-hmm. So when the backlash first started, I, I kept saying to myself, oh, oh, you know, okay, fine. Some people don't like the film. And then it, the backlash got like so, so big.
1: Well, the more it was so primed to win yeah. the backlash the, exponentially.
0: But yeah. it suddenly clicked in my head. Oh, it's it's 100 because it's a rom com as well. Because nothing anyone knew. No one ever knows exactly. Yeah. So we were going, oh, it's a rom com, it's a rom com, and yeah. telling everybody, and everyone's yeah. going, no, it's not. Yeah. And then I suddenly realized, oh, that's what is that's what's making people either love it or hate it.
1: Well, I'd say it's a big factor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's well, there's, there's, yeah. there's other things that we won't go into. No aspects of the movie. No, no. But
0: and I am I'm a I did love La La Land. Um, just to put it out there, I have a poster that I bought that I ordered uh, that I have in my bedroom. I'm. But I didn't expect it to be the awards darling that it became. And Moonlight was certainly my favourite film of mm. last year. So um,
1: so myself as a love hater mm. of La La Land, oh. I can occupy then the uh, opposing view. Yeah. Uh, because I like some things about it and yeah. the things about it I deeply... But that's
0: interesting about. because yeah. there's... Because you're sort of you do like some things because people people really hate it. Oh, I know. Like, really, like, I'm like, are you okay? Do you want, what can I do for you?
1: (laughs) Could we somehow (laughs) remove from your memory? Yeah. The parts of it?
0: Like, it's okay. Like, Mm -hmm. it's all right. I've never, I don't, I can't remember the last film that actually, um, that people felt like this about. Yeah. Because it's
1: a kitten, really. Put the gun down.
0: Exactly. And, um, and I, I do think you know I, I, I try to sort of break down and and analyze like sort of the the different people that I know who hated it and who, and whether they were in like happy relationships or bad relationships or whether they were single or you know like what what was the kind of demographic of people that you know, that loved it and hated it. But there's also no rhyme or reason for that, you know. Like mm. some of my like closest friends just hate it. And we, we just can't talk about it. I mean we just cannot talk about that film. Whereas mm. I have some of my other close friends who absolutely adore it mm. and we just smile at each other across the table when people right. start losing their shit sure. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> See well, what's interesting to me is the people who dislike La La Land would probably feel all the more justified in disliking it. If we identified it as a romantic comedy, yes, then they could
0: really get their hated boots. So
1: I guess the first question for us to explore is why the hatred of romantic comedy? Why has this genre become this uh, bête noire?
0: I don't know why people. I mean, Tabitha knows she's
1: barking away.
0: What do you think is like the, the inner core of people's like depression about this genre? Like. I have a theory. Tell
1: me. All right. Two things. One that's more general.
0: Mm. I love all these noises. These are great. That was... Okay. Um,
1: go. Round one. What is the first one? The general one is that love stories in general, mm. unless they are romantic dramas, you know, Jane, yeah. Jane Eyre or oh, something like shoot that. You know. me now. Right. But... When they are romantic comedies, they're automatically perceived of, as is much of women's literature, for that matter, as being somehow... Unimportant.
0: Yes. Not well. Relevant. We are. Women are unimportant, Billy, and yeah. that's you well, know.
1: right. But we're not supposed to say that. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah. There they're is put this, into the
0: camp of like domestic, is, like, yeah, there's yeah. a huge
1: bias about if it's about love and relationships, then mm. why why should we take it seriously? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, it's almost been the the, the sole job of Jane Austen, poor dear, mm. to sort of keep that flag waving. For romantic comedy as a valid source of literature and storytelling, yeah. uh, because ever since um, it seems to be the province of so-called frivolous yeah.
0: writing. Yeah. So can I can I blame the patriarchy for this? Oh, as well? absolutely! Please Brilliant. Do. I Please really do. am into doing that at the mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. So that's that's good.
1: I will support you in that. <laughs> Excellent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Judith, your uh, Sorry. your cakes are made. Sorry. Right.
1: No, no. What no, are they? Right. Am
0: I going to enjoy them?
1: Yeah, cakes yeah. no, they're, they're popovers. What's a
0: popover?
1: Well, you're going to find out.
0: Okay. Yeah, and what's your... So, okay, so, so, so for sure two, the women right? thing is a big yeah, thing.
1: that's just a, a cultural bias cultural, yeah. that I think transcends the genre and just about, as you say, the patriarchy. Yeah. So then two is that romantic comedy is misperceived by not only the general public, but the studios and the people who make such movies. In that, I define romantic comedy as a comedy mm-hmm. in which the central conflict of the movie is embodied in a romantic relationship. Yeah. Right. But there's a certain kind of romantic comedy, ones that I think of as cookie cutter movies. Yeah. That became very popular in the, especially in the eighties into the nineties, and then into the. Are new we century. talking about
0: Katherine Heigl?
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, you just say the Heigl comedies. There's a paradigm the for a com- very that
0: sounds weird. The Heigl comedy sounds like, like sort of like something like politically like bad as well. Right. Or the Heigl, <laughs> the Heigl
1: effect could <laughs> be like a dread disease. Yeah. You
0: know?
1: So these are movies that were essentially, and they have the misnomer of chick flick, right? Uh, I love that term. Yeah, some feminists (laughs) tend to to disagree. Um, These chick flicks were very specific and formulaic in the way they approach romantic comedy. They, more often than not, feature a career-driven woman who gets involved with some male, alpha male or other, Mm -hmm. and it's tied into that sort of career story. So you have all of these... uh, Whether it's a subplot in Love Actually, like The Maid, who then becomes the mate of a successful writer, Uh, J-Lo as, again, Maid in Manhattan, you know, you you have these sort of like lower class or less uh, obviously worthwhile women Mm. who hook up with a sort of savior man. So there's even a damsel in distress subtext to all these movies. And they were very popular culturally, Bridget Jones's Diary being like the paradigm of this, uh, where... you have the very simplistic idea of this is a romantic comedy. It's about this kind of woman in this kind of yep. milieu okay. who's yep. in, you know, or whatever. I mean, yep. and so that's a very limited view of what a romantic comedy is, though. Because when you go back to, for example, the Oscar winning romantic comedy, The Apartment,
0: yep.
1: and many oh, other oh earlier romantic comedies, yep. they don't conform to that Whoa. idea.
0: That that is a great segue into the into the whole kind of issue of that any film that wins an award is any <laughs> yep. rom-com, let's say that wins right. an award is somehow not magically a romantic, it's not a romantic comedy. comedy.
1: Yes, yeah. um, Silver Linings playable. Maybe I
0: wrote a list. Oh, I wrote okay. down. I mm. found thirty-six uh, romantic comedies that have won an Oscar.
1: Ooh, let's hear some.
0: Okay, so and then so okay, so we've got. The uh, It Happened One Night which is like the quintessential yeah. romantic comedy I think yeah. it won Ford it? isn't it one of the ones yeah. that won it's the swept. big Ford yes. sw- it swept okay uh, The Graduate mm-hmm. um, Pillow Talk mm-hmm. um, Sun Like It Hot Yes Woman of the Year mm. uh, tone Sunshine of the Spotless Mind Yes Yes Uh, I put Dirty Dancing down here, just because I just, I know it's not technically, okay, forget that one. Fish Called Wonder. Yes. Good as it gets. Yes. Uh, Emma, Shakespeare in Love, Heaven Can Wait, Annie Hall, The Apartment, Tootsie. Uh, I also put Misery at the top because I felt that,
1: that was a good one. To misery a anyway, the sweet the and sweet... charming story yeah. of a woman who yeah. tried to make a man understand how deep her love was <laughs> and then even when she had to remove his foot, what yeah. did you
0: say? If she hobbles you, she loves you. That's there you go. how That it works. should have
1: been the slogan. Yeah. yeah. With the two of them in a big heart with, you know, a yeah. chainsaw attached or something. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't put I don't know why either. But
0: third, so that's 36. And and more recently when like when you look at Silver Linings Playbook, and also as good as it gets. I mean, because gets obviously is a it is a romantic comedy but it's it's structurally kind of mm. slightly sort of shifted but um but no one calls it a romantic comedy right it's the weirdest thing in
1: fact david O. russell was insulted when someone referred to silver linings as a romantic I comedy i mean
0: what would possess you to be insulted because someone <laughs> is saying you've made something that is romantic and funny david
1: well see but now we return to where we started which is this inherent bias in the mm. culture and The Killing the Golden Goose thing, which is the studios in the late 90s into the turn of the century basically felt they could throw any star that they had that they wanted to do business with into one of these formulaic career girl gets the guy Mm. movies. And they functioned for a while. There was roughly about a decade's worth of life in that. Yeah. And they just did so many of them with no quality control that were so formulaic and so uninteresting in their adherence to Mm. formula, that they became a figure of ridicule.
0: So, yeah, so I suppose, like, what we talk about when we talk about rom-coms is just this kind of, like, inability of people to separate what has gone in the past and what is happening now and the revival of it and to help people not just dismiss them off the bat anymore and remind them that lots of the things that they watch are romantic comedy.
1: Yeah, we have to somehow... At least what we're attempting here is to peel away the Mm. pejorative tone applied to that title of romantic comedy.
0: So shall we talk a little bit about, um, so one of the reasons um, that your book helped me write Man Up was because what you do in the book is you break um, all of romantic comedies down into seven beats. (laughs) <laughs> just so which, you is, know. <laughs> which is why
1: I can then be blamed for yes. promulgating this yes. formulaic romantic yes. comedy it is in part i but enable let's this. just come
0: on like every ev- any good writer anyone worth their storytelling uh juice that's not even a term um knows that everything is structured and that writing is to a certain degree science you know in terms of trying to you know there there's the organic um voice which you can't teach and then there's the structural voice which you can um so you, had, you came up with a great formula, which is the seven beats, which we're going to try over the course of this pod, of this season of podcasts is to kind of look at, um, sort of focus on one at a time, Yeah. Um, looking at how they've kind of like come into the modern rom-com. Um, yeah. And
1: the thing that's tricky about this is that it sounds contradictory, meaning, and first of all, to be clear, I didn't come up with anything. What I did was I watched literally <laughs> hundreds of romantic comedies.
0: You did the research for us.
1: I did the research and I watched them, and I started to just connect the dots and go, "Well, why is there always this moment right. in a romantic comedy? Yeah. Why does Why does this always happen in the middle? Why does this mm. always seem to happen towards the but end?" Surely of the it's
0: act? the same for a thriller. An action, Every you know, genre yeah, yeah. So, it, so it's not this. like this is some yeah, yeah. yeah. But
1: but my point is, in other words, this is not about us imposing a no. structure on the thing.
0: Really, <gasps> we would never. Do do that. No,
1: no 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 because we are uh, egalitarian yes. liberte and so uh what i'm saying is here's the ironic contradiction while pointing out that there is in fact a familiar paradigm mm. for the romantic comedy which would lead you to think ah that's why they're all so formulaic mm. what i am at least saying is no the structure of the romantic comedy is a convenient one for writers to understand to mm. to internalize in terms of how you structure a story. And we can find these in yeah. a lot of romantic comedies. But at the same time, what's marvelous about this armature is how wildly diverse yeah. and how huge are the variations from movie to movie. In my book, yeah, for example, I, I compared uh, Notting Hill, was about a traditional romantic comedy as you could possibly imagine, with Chasing Amy, yeah. which was a completely kind of berserker's uh, indie version of a romantic comedy. And yet the same... Basic beats, beats yeah. can be found. Let me provide you with the organic logic behind the seven beats. Of okay, do it. So, okay. The idea being, you know, when you meet someone that you're interested in, you don't just immediately go shot put right from there into the bedroom, although that does happen on occasion. But for Yeah, a, I don't know
0: what kind of but, relationship you've been in. Billy, but for like... a significant <laughs>
1: relationship, one that's supposed to last for years, that's not a one-night stand, these are all courtship stories, essentially. It means you come to something with your own personal baggage. That's a setup, okay? Uh, when you meet, there's usually something significant going on in that meeting, some kind of marriage of the minds or souls or bodies or whatever. And so uh, that becomes enough of a impetus for the two of you to see each other again. So when you go on your first date, whether that ends up in bed or not, or whether there are more dates, you're now in the heading towards the end of the first act, so to speak, when there's some reason, whether it's a date, whether it is sex, whether it's some uh, communion, souls, minds, whatever, where you decide, okay, I'm actually going out with this person. Now, do you go from there to the altar? No, you have to get further in. So usually there's a midpoint in your courtship, which consists of often sex, right? Or anything else that raises the stakes for you, where you say, oh gosh, I'm really involved now. Yeah. I'm involved with this person. This really could go somewhere. Now, in life, in, in just inarguably, there's always a question. There's always something that's got to be tested. Some trust if you're looking at a possible mate. Whether it's you suddenly discover he's got a horrific father-in-law that you might face or... You know, he snores. Or He's a
0: Republican.
1: She, she's a Republican. <laughs> the, the, any, any number of things could be could be an obstacle, and so more often than not, we learn to trust because that investment is tested. And so, what happens in a second act break, a second turning point, is you face that, and you go, "Actually, I can't live with a Republican." Or you say, well, no, maybe it can be, you know, maybe she's not that bad a Republican, she's right. a liberal, she's yeah, a moderate yeah. Republican, and then you make another choice whether you're going to go forward. Right.
0: Yeah. Now, Com- on the basis be.
1: of whether you've made the right choice or wrong choice, <laughs> trust is tested, and if you ultimately pass that trust test, where you say, in spite of the fact that he snores like the worst sailor, or whatever the problem is, I could live with this person, I could be with this person, then there's... A declaration of, okay, we're going to do this. We're in this together. And then you have your resolution. So that's a very
0: yeah, like organic, organic,
1: real life way that people tend to enter into relationships, whether it's by a Tinder or whether it was coming over How on the Mayflower. Happens, yeah. You know, this has been going on. Well, I'm just saying it's been going on for centuries. centuries you know, yeah, it's like yeah. that. that is the way yeah. people get involved. Yeah. It has that very organic arc to it.
0: Um, I'm pleased that you did that whole thing because it's given me the chance to just silently eat this popover.
1: <laughs> That's a good thing. Putting
0: point. my jam on it. Yeah. Billy's wife made some popovers yeah. and she's done me the bunter really... and jam. So while the whole time Billy was doing that, yeah. I was very, probably not as quietly as I thought, eating, yeah. I'm just going to mm, take this delicious last Delicious
1: popover. Now you're giving me a chance to bite into mine, mm. so I appreciate that. Okay.
0: Okay, let's do an example of your beats. Let's use La La Land. Yeah. Um, as a... Template just to prove to everybody that it is a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's a few cute meets. Um, right,
1: uh, there's the and there's the initial. Uh, party no the party comes. Yeah, no, so
0: we've got so we've got the She um, goes to a party. Yeah, so she goes off to the party. She hears him playing, the, she club. Hears him playing the club uh, and then he barges past her, actually. Barges past her because she's
1: in a bad mood yeah. and he's just been Can we just
0: Actually, just like a little sidebar with Because I was having an argue, I love to argue with people about romantic comedies and someone was um telling me how much they um they were like, Oh Ryan Gosling you know, like man's playing jazz and he's an awful guy and he's like, you know, blah 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 and I was like, uh yeah, that's Mm-hmm. I know many men like that. Like, <laughs> for me, yeah. that was the whole point of, like, his character, that he's mm-hmm. this, like, white dude wanging on about jazz, and you're like, just grow up and get either open your fucking bar mm-hmm. or just get a proper job, right? Yeah, you know? yeah you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so anyway, I thought that was what, you know, I, I didn't fall for him in that way that I think maybe some people felt disappointed in mm-hmm. terms of his character portrayal but for me, and I don't think actually Damien Chazelle meant this, I think he meant this all to admire him but I personally right. enjoyed the fact that he was a bit of a dick. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yes, yeah, so he barges past him.
1: He's a bit of a dick but he's Ryan Gosling. So.
0: Yeah, he is but you know, his journey is, and this is a, his journey is very different, Sebastian's journey is very different to Mia's journey oh. uh, and, and I think that, that the it's much more her movie uh,
1: mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So um,
0: yeah, but yes. Yeah, so he barges past her.
1: So her feelings are hurt. She basically yes. thinks he's a dick. Yeah, and then when she goes to this party, um, that he, turns yes.
0: Yeah, so he she goes. It's like a sort of god, like a pool party, isn't it? And mm-hmm. he is playing uh, "I Ran" by flock of seagulls, yeah. and she recognizes him. Yeah. Um, and that's when they have their first conversation. So I'd say that's, that's really official... the meat yeah, yeah, cute or cute meat is there. Because yeah. then,
1: then they're talking, there's a sense of chemistry or lack of or, you know, contradictions. And it's funny because after seeing him play that beautiful jazz piano to encounter him with the flock of seagulls... Yeah. It's... Well, again,
0: it's, what, it, what it's great at showing us is um, some depth, some, some stuff that's going on here. So, like, his delusions of grandeur, you right. know, and his... Um, inability to kind of, like, he's got to make a living. Mm-hmm. But he's also, like, not... What, what makes me not like him even more in a good way is that he's not even really putting much effort into it. He's right. actually being really arrogant. He has an attitude. And so, so you know, part of you's like, I would probably admire you more, at least, if you were really putting 100% into Iran by Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> but instead, you're just right. kind of like, right. yeah, whatever. Make which So it gives now. us even more mm-hmm. background to mm-hmm. him. And also, she takes the piss out of him, you know, winds him up about it, and he doesn't take it very well, um, right. which is interesting, As again, you know, like yeah. um, he's clearly not great at, having, at seeing his own um, weaknesses.
1: Right, so good. what's interesting about that beat as a quote-unquote chemical equation mm. is that we're simultaneously seeing what could attract them to each other. Yes. And we're seeing the things that could rub. Exactly, because all good
0: relationships this is I say, you know, confidence. (laughs) Yes. But you know, you want people to call you out on things. That that is part of, you want to be challenged, but you don't want to be too challenged, Mm -hmm. but you want to be able to, um, evolve together. Don't (coughs) you? You want to be able to say, Hey, do you remember when I, I I was awful about that? And then the other person is, Oh yeah, you were terrible about that, Mm -hmm. but now you're much better. Isn't it great? Um, so yeah, so they definitely part. They go their separate ways, and we, we like you say, they are they are the plus and the minus of each other on, on yeah. quite an acute level.
1: So there's a kind of a good combustion in terms yes, of story yes. there. All right. So then the movie proceeds from there to
0: towards our end of Act One.
1: Towards the end of Act One, which, which you is call
0: the sexy complication. Sexy turning complication.
1: Point. That's technically for most movies. It's we think of it as the first turning point. where yes. The Act One break. Yes. In romantic comedy. Uh, in most, paradigm of most stories, they say the hero must make a choice at the end yes.
0: of act one. Yeah.
1: Right. For a romantic comedy, it doubles up. Yeah. Meaning something impacts either one or both yeah. of something the people. Complicates. Something complicates the situation where they're either going to choose to be further involved mm-hmm. with the romantic protagonist or yeah. not. Or not. Yeah, And often it's a livelihood or exterior action thing. It's like, for example, like a movie where the woman you've been having problems with and dissing turns out to be your boss. Yes, you know, yes. Et cetera, et cetera. In
0: Moonstruck, she sleeps with her fiancé's brother.
1: <laughs> the proposal is built on yes. a similar yes. thing. Yes, so, yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean,
0: what's interesting in La La Land is they it's, it's their big sort of first sort of number together um, where they kind of sing looking out over Los Angeles and... Um, and it's all about subtext, you know? That They are clearly... This is the sort of turning point, I would say, in terms of that they are starting to be at least physically attracted to each other, yeah. I would say. Um, and the
1: gag is their denial.
0: Their denial. So yeah. they're singing. This is a terrible night, whatever. The, right. I can't remember the mm-hmm. thing of it. But they are... But clearly, they're they're going against all of their inner kind of instincts. Mm-hmm. There's also the lovely beat where... He, at the beginning, as they start to walk, he tells her that his car is parked near her. And then, right. once she gets and drives off, you see that actually he walks there because he wanted to walk with yeah. her. the car is parked Which up is a the nice hill. Thing, yeah. I, those moments for me are the ones in all films that make me go, "Oh yes, hello," because you it makes you go sort of sit up a little bit. Oh, mm-hmm. he he does like her. I mean, we mm-hmm. know he likes her anyway, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know that yet.
1: Right. So yeah, and who hasn't pretended?
0: To I'm lie always saying to people, him. "My car is parked here." <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. it's
0: part of my shtick yeah, Billy
1: that's your thing it's what I yeah. do in fact you go to great lengths to I, put we, your I car. do I, yes. I don't yeah.
0: valet <laughs> <laughs> I've just actually also remembered that this is in that scene in the end of that one she also tells him where she works doesn't mm-hmm. she mm, which right. is the kind of courtship Like like it's information that we get given that he gets given that then he does act on right? Uh, doesn't he yeah. so the courtship really begins in earnest at the end of that kind of act break um, and she's pleased to see him, you know when mm-hmm. she, when he turns up at the cafe and et cetera et cetera so um so the wooing
1: yeah is underway. so the wooing gets underway, and I'd say the first half of the second act is we get to enjoy them falling in love yes. And so you've got all of those secret sequ- the mansplaining scene. You've got all the other stuff that leads You know, he can to-
0: mansplain jazz to me on a rainy Sunday afternoon anytime he likes, just yeah, to put that those out eyes, there. Yeah,
1: eyes, those eyes. It's one of, I thought one of the best gags of the Oscars when Jimmy Kimmel said to the person off the bus, don't look him in the eye. Yeah, don't look him in the eye. <laughs> so, uh, so then what we're leading towards is a midpoint.
0: Yes, the hook.
1: The hook in a romantic comedy terms, which is, again, in most movies, a midpoint represents... Uh, there's a lot of nicknames for it. As some people mistakenly call it a point of no return. I don't believe that. But the point is, it's no. when a deeper commitment is made.
0: Yeah. And it's when the story starts to go in a, dire- a different direction as well, technically, isn't mm-hmm. it? So, like, they, they are they are in it now. They're in it now. But in something other words, is going to happen that is going to come off that commitment right. to From each From this other, point yeah.
1: on, they're in this thing together. Now, whether that will ultimately yeah. mean that they're together forever, we don't yeah. know yet but they're in this story yeah. together.
0: So in La La Land, it's really him taking, that they're moving in together and him taking the job that he doesn't really want to take and yeah. her deciding to put on her show. That's kind of where yeah. we're yeah. at. Yeah. But what, And in terms of classic movie terms, to give you a totally different example, in When Harry Met Sally, it's her fake orgasm scene. It's a metaphorical Right. In
1: the fake orgasm scene in the deli, what happens is Harry actually sees Sally as a sexual being for the first First time. time. And it's the first time she wins an argument with him. And so there's a connection made there, which raises this big question. If he starts to be attracted to her as a woman, of course, then his whole belief system is called into... Into but, uh, so, yeah. so
0: I guess in La La Land, what they're doing is they're actually trying to support each other and mm-hmm. say, Right, but but interestingly, they're both very vulnerable in that because mm-hmm. he doesn't really want to be going off on this tour with John Legend. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember the actual name of John Legend's character, but we all know it's John Legend, yeah. Um, and she is trying to be brave and put on her show. Um, and there is you can. I'm wondering, like we're looking back now, that you can sort of like now I know the end of the film, mm-hmm. like whether if I go back to it, whether I would start to see some cracks in that midpoint, like some kind of layers of it. But I'm not sure. I can't quite, you know what I mean? Like, is there? Do we feel vulnerable for both of them, or do we feel more vulnerable for her, etc., right, etc.? Right. But but they're definitely on their road to somewhere else. Yes. In and that so the midpoint.
1: conflicts build from that midpoint to a second act break. Yeah. Second turning
0: point. Yeah. Swivel second act. Swivel.
1: The because swiggle. again, in a traditional screenplay, that's where the protagonist has to make another choice, yeah, and what that choice determines is the end of the movie, yes. based on what a character chooses to do at the end of the second act, that's how the rest of the movie will play out
0: so in lowerland yes, he doesn't show up to her play
1: he misses her play they're they're dueling commitments to things possibly more important than the relationship yeah. combust. And it's
0: important to remember that this is actually this end of act 2 in a rom-com tends to not be that funny.
1: <laughs> no. No, in fact Because it, it's leading to a dark moment. A dark moment. Yes. Yeah. Okay. A dark moment, the all is lost crisis which is usually connected to a climax. I kind of bunch them yeah. together. Crisis climax is when you realize, "Oh, the wrong choice has been made." Yeah. Uh, Arthur decides not to give up his millions so he's ditching Liza Raleigh
0: in in my own movie Man Up it's when they are at Waterloo Station uh, and we worked very hard on that that decision the wrong decision that I never wanted it I wanted it to them both to be responsible for it Mm -hmm. you know I never wanted it to just be oh he doesn't say what he should say therefore he's the idea i wanted it to be a mutual kind of sort of thing so it can be two people making the wrong decision as well and mm-hmm. just misreading each other's intentions right um but in la la land it's very clearly that he he's just late isn't he he forgets he's like oh no he's at the photo shoot for yeah, the for the magazine right. but mm-hmm. this is interesting because he doesn't want to be there anyway
1: and supposedly he's doing all of that to support the relationship exactly yeah,
0: that's yeah, internationalization yeah, yeah. so
1: uh, it becomes obvious that they are not really going to make a go of it. She goes back to her... Yeah,
0: so she goes home and decides to, like, give up and, and not mm-hmm. do it. And then he gets the phone call from the agent. And he literally the her So he her does the drive, the yeah. run right. to get her. Right, right. And at this point, we still, it's fair to say, we we think they're probably going to get together, yeah. I would say. Uh-huh. Um, And she then nails the audition because she finally is her true self in the Mm -hmm. audition. I think she, they, you know, they say to tell a story. Right. And she decides to actually be herself, which is part of, I think, Mia's journey in the the film, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, who is she and what does she want and what does she need? And is she playing this certain kind of role as a woman just because that's what she should do? Um, And then she gets the job.
1: And because there's no such thing as FaceTime, Skype, no, they can't. Or yes. no, or anything else. No, no, no.
0: Like, you know, in rea- the reality beat is, <laughs> look, do you want to just come out for six weeks and then we'll yeah. FaceTime for the rest? Right. The time difference will be annoying, but we really love each other, yeah. so we'll yeah, figure yeah. it out.
1: But because none of that technology exists well, in this film.
0: you know what? I also think that, um, I don't think either of them in their heart of hearts want to do that either, and I think right. that's part of the interesting yeah. issue with right. it. So yeah, so she goes off, and then we don't meet them again till she is a famous actress now with her.
1: The movie has come out.
0: The movie's come out. She's, she's made. on the lot. She's she's with a new doing man. Her thing. She's with a new guy, um, and she hears that song as she's walking up after dinner with him. Uh, so in a sense, what jazz. we've
1: had then is a false climax. Yes, because what for all intents we've and all purposes, had one of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh It's over, right? Yeah. So far as we know, but then yeah. The last beat in a courtship comedy, the resolution is usually when marriage is proposed yeah. or you know the the final commitment is made. Yeah. So in this movie, because it's a bittersweet sort of dark romantic comedy, what's the, romantic Annie comedy you know, it, comedy, yeah. the Annie Hall? You know, the Annie Hall paradigm. Yeah. Uh, instead, we have the famous climactic sequence where she hears his music coming out of the club. She goes in there with her. Husband
0: is it yeah, husband? his husband, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, then there's that marvelous everyone's favorite sequence where they <laughs> fantasize about what might have been. You know,
0: and again, this is the, the, the debates I've got into about that. I remember watching it and hoping, like, like literally saying in my mind, "Please don't let this be actually what has happened." You know? Right. Please right. let please let this just be the alternative universe. And Then we're gonna, and luckily they did go that way. Yeah. Um, I think that it would have been a mistake to have them. Oh,
1: god, um, yes, yes.
0: Um, so yeah, so in terms of your sort of structural things, the actually the end of the movie is 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 sort of saying the joyful resolution is is not it, it's kind of joyful. I mean, I found I found it quite joyful at the end. Well, yeah. Because I was like, timing, you know? They they were the kind of people in their 20s who were great yes, together. exactly.
1: And timing in terms of where they were in their lives yeah. and what was most important to them. Yeah. So, uh, And very much like Annie Hall. In Annie Hall, the ending, he says, well, you know, we're not together, but uh, we're, we're kind of still friends. Yeah. And uh, he's so yeah. glad that he had that relationship. Do you think,
0: way. though, that the look that he gives her at the end, because uh, it there was there was a moment that it felt like it was going into that lost in translation kind of territory right. where some the look is saying something the look the look is conveying something i.e. I, I i fucked up mm. like i cuz she has got this you know she's done the traditional thing of she's a working you know working actress she's she's got a child she's got a husband he's kind of got his bar but yeah. he still looks a little washed up doesn't he? he still looks I don't know Like maybe I read it differently to other people but I was I like still think it's ambiguous yeah. let's
1: just say that yeah. meaning I can totally get why you would feel that way yeah. I can see it as more like they're each kind of where they where they're it, meant to be where they yeah, want to yeah, be yeah. and that last look of course is ambiguous so yeah. we can read well,
0: whatever I, I, I read it in the positive way that I think they are two people that would always love each other. So yeah.
1: That's sort of, exactly. you know. Well, which is true of Lost in Translation exactly. and any Hall and most of the romantic comedies yeah. that end quote you unquote know, I sadly. went to
0: see Lost in Translation at Downtown Theatre recently, part of the Sinespia thing and, um, probably hadn't seen it for about 10 years or so Uh and i'd saw it a lot in my in my sort of like late 20s and 30s and when i watched it this time i was like oh i now relate more to bill murray
1: (laughs) interesting (laughs) it's
0: like oh this is complex for me the film I want to talk about is Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, um, which is, I watched, uh, on the plane, uh, I think I was on the plane back to England and, um, and I settled into my seat and thought, Oh, what's on? And you scroll through all the things and, and I'd seen the poster for it for a few times. And, um, just quite enjoyed the look of the poster but but in my own mind it had actually done the thing that probably people do about rom-coms I looked at it and thought oh it looks a bit bro-y it looks a bit right. like boys on tour and the girls get to do get to be the, the hot messes that kind of you know right. uh, are, are nearby doing their thing but actually it's a very even-handed very funny um, Billy's just washing his hands just so everyone can hear that uh, <laughs> actually, <Say> it <laughs> actually it's yeah. actually a very funny um, and even-handed uh, sort of um I mean, I, I was going to use the word study, and that was a little bit probably too deep for the for the Nobody of the studies film. in this movie. No. It's, but it's a lot of fun, and it's 100% a romantic comedy. Um, interestingly, it's a romantic comedy between, in the, in the bromance way, but also in, let's say, the fromance way. So the girls have their Aubrey Plaza, and um, oh, what's up from Pitch Perfect? Uh, Adam, Adam Kendrick uh, have their own little. Adam um, Kendrick added the Mac. She's Scottish now. She's Yeah. <laughs> suddenly. <laughs> She's suddenly. Yeah. Um, they have their thing with the boys, but they mm-hmm. also have their own thing in terms of their own relationship. Oh, yeah. uh, likewise, Zac Efron uh, and Adam Devine have their own kind of thing going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the setup is is not the great. It's not. It's not executed in them with the most finesse. Let's just say, but the title of the movie tells you what you need to know. My yeah. name's It is, yeah. um, and it is based, I believe, on something that. A guy really did, or a couple of guys really oh, did. I, I think so, anyway. Okay. Um, and I always think if you... It, it's got between seven and ten moments that really make you laugh, that you that you remember.
1: Which is all you need.
0: Very important. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is kind of filled out with good supporting characters as well. Um, and they, there's just something very heartwarming about it, which for me is the thing that has maybe during the noughties there was this tendency for everyone to be very mean and, 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 and not kind of like loving, to you know, it's very snarky, kind of the snarky rom-com. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about Mike and Dave is that it was, um, it was warm, you know. Yeah. These, these people liked each other, um, they enjoyed each other's company, they had all their flaws. Um, there were lots of set pieces that kind of just sort of landed in places that you understood why they were there, you know, it kind of made sense. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I mean, admittedly, a lot of people say to me they like they watch man up on a plane and they say it's a really great plane movie uh, but <laughs> i kind right, of thank
1: you and fuck you
0: but like, i kind of don't mind in a weird way because right. i know that you know your emotions are quite heightened when you're on a plane because you're going to yes. die because you're on a plane aren't you i mean right. the plane is going to go down yes. so whatever you're watching could be is the your last movie, movie you ever, ever watched yes. <laughs> um so but there is something about the that you go into your own world and you don't you're not mm-hmm. looking at your phone you're not looking at like People in the cinema, you're just in your own little seat watching your watching your thing. So I actually think it's quite a good test for a movie to see mm. it the first time like that. Um, so that is my recommendation for a rom-com. But also what's great about it is that it ticks those boxes in terms of a boy and a girl night in, or a boy and a boy night in, or girl, whatever you want to say. It kind of covers all bases in terms of it's definitely not in the chick flip camp, but it's also not in the bromance camp. It sits kind of firmly in the center. It's an
1: equal opportunity. It's got
0: okay. e- yes, exactly. I do not blame the patriarchy for yeah. that movie. Okay, good. So yeah, uh, and how are you feeling about television at the moment? We've got catastrophe season yeah. well, like, three coming up.
1: Yeah, you've got. Uh, l- let me just tell you, if anyone is wondering what where romantic comedy went when <laughs> when these chick flicks started to lose their audience. Just look to the small screen because what what do what what these shows have in common? Crazy Ex Girlfriend, Catastrophe, The Mindy Project, Lovesick, Insecure, Master of None, You're the Worst, and Girls, mm-hmm. Cutting Edge though it may be. Yeah,
0: still. Yeah. Uh,
1: these are all essentially serialized romantic comedies. Yep. That is the thrust of these shows. Yes. They're all the about the will they, won't they. And that's, you know, whether it has to do with different relationships or one, mm. the friends paradigm you mentioned before, mm. it kind of doesn't matter. The point is it's become the province of this subject matter. Mm. Gender, relationships, all of that. These TV shows are really mining mm. and exploiting in ways that people are really responding to.
0: Well, you think about um, catastrophe in that first episode, the setup is... is- you know, perfection, you know, in terms of the, they do everything in that first episode that you would normally do in an hour and a half. Right. So, uh, and that's part of its charm that they are forced into by the end of that episode, into a decision, you know, that that they're going to, what's going to happen for the rest of the show. And and it's a great hook. And they do a very clever thing of actually having a hook at the end of every episode, you Mm. know, which is, um, yes, they, it's not sitcom in the traditional, um, right. Formula either.
1: That's the advantage of having only done half a dozen episodes.
0: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Six, yeah. So. I'm all for six episodes. Mm-hmm. I think that that essentially, if you look at six episodes, it's basically like like a movie in terms yeah, of like where much. you're going to go. So mm-hmm. uh, it's. I think it's. It's a great way to plot as well. If you were thinking of writing a TV show that was a will they won't they, then 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 maybe give yourself like a six to ten episode arc rather yeah. than a twenty two sure. one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what's interesting about that is these are for free, mainly, meaning you don't have to drive to the multiplex know, and spend a lot of money and plant yourself in front of a big screen for it, and yet you're getting all the stuff, all the all the fun and all the yeah. identification and empathy that you would with a feature rom-com out of these shows.
0: And it's funny because when I think about the experience, of so when we um, the script-to-screen process of Man Up was made in this very acute window where the world changed how it consumed its media so mm. you know we i was so obsessed with the cinematic release of man up it was like you know getting people to go to the movies to yeah. see it like it was my like my right. thing and what i didn't realize is that cut to you know a year after we released and we found ourselves on netflix and amazon and other streaming services are available um that's where we found our home. But yeah. That's where we truly found that people were. And it's like I'd forgotten how I found my favorite movies oh, because, yeah. as much as I am, a, you know, a, a cinema obsessive, and I love going to the movies. A lot of the films that you watch a few times, which is what you know, the rom com is a very good kind of genre for that. Um, you watch, you you, st- you watched on the small screen. You know, you found, you you rented it out, and now we have this huge access to. This huge library of movies, yeah. plus new films which are getting released as event kind of things, mm-hmm. um, sometimes simultaneously released at the cinema, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I actually now feel like we're starting to come full circle again, in that there is a home for the rom com now, right. in cinematic terms, but on the small screen. So yeah. we've got the small screen TV version, right? But we're now coming to the point where if I wrote a rom com now, and I and I might say, well, I might just I might sort of sell it to Netflix, yeah do you want to do it as an event, you know, do you want to do it as a, like a one, you know, there are tons of movies on there that haven't got cinema releases, but people are finding them, people are like seeking them out because there's a whole rom-com section in Netflix so,
1: yeah, I
0: think there's another tipping point is happening in that sense.
1: All it really takes for a tipping point is a couple of good ones
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, but
1: that's always been the case, I know. that's what's so I know. so silly about the whole, is it up, is it down Yeah, and the same yeah. is true for other genres
0: yeah. Just to kind of sort of sum up where I suppose where we want to go with talking about all these things is, I suppose, you know, um, I think it's important to talk about romantic things and because otherwise we're just all on Tinder and everyone's just, you know, it feels, it feels very, not shallow because lots of people I know have met on Tinder and have, it's great, but, but there is a, I think people need to connect now more than ever in, Mm -hmm. in actual reality, you know? Um, and I think it's very, um, Crucial to the survival of civilization. I feel like that's quite a like low key way to end. The, the
1: yeah, we're, we're just we're just all about saving civilization. That's, that's all that's going on here.
0: Yeah. So we will, we will do another one of these at some point. <laughs> just cause well, like,
1: we're here, folks. We're going to have guests. Yes, we will have so guest you know who
0: has said he will come on the podcast? Tell me, tell is me. the my my rom com. Battle Crusader, uh, Craig Mason.
1: Craig, the amazing Mason.
0: Amazing Mason. Yeah. He um, he said to my face, "Tess, I will come on your podcast." Well, then
1: you have to hold. Him so, so
0: we'll get Mason on, and Mason is great in terms of. Uh, The uh, the, his storytelling uh, magic, so we can maybe get him to rewatch a rom com for us um, that he is interested in talking about. One thing that
1: we'd like to do with these podcasts is every uh, episode we're going to pick a film, a a romantic comedy that we can defend as being uh, a bona fide great movie uh, that doesn't necessarily seem like a rom com going in or out, but is, and we'll sort of revisit. Said film, uh, with these various topics that we're discussing in mind, like certain beats, certain cultural changes, certain shifts in recent history of rom yeah. com. What makes a romantic comedy new and accessible? Because mostly we'll be looking at films that are more recent than a whole. Yeah, I think we're going
0: to try and do a mixture. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I, I think it's going to be useful just to like kind of like because you know, we both know what's sort of out there as well and yeah. it's always coming out, etc. Yeah, yeah. um,
1: my my thrust with all of this is it's a genre we love and it's I think unfairly maligned.
0: It really is. And
1: so a lot of my intention is to say, let's redefine what a romantic comedy is yes. so that we can feel okay with having it yes. in our lives.
0: And if you have any questions then you can tweet me at the Tess Morris or Billy at Mernit Man. Com. Um So if you need to Dot com <laughs> So if you need to Ask any questions Or you're annoyed With us about something Or we got something wrong Because uh, obviously People love to tell you When you get things wrong
1: Yes
0: um, What is Twitter for?
1: What is Twitter yeah, for? Other yeah. than just
0: Taking people to task yes, On things Yes absolutely Exactly what we need mm-hmm. um, So um, this has been um, You had us At Hello, hello. <laughs> Let's try that again So this has been You had us at Hello Nice uh, And we will see you again Sometime Okay. Bye. Bye.